0: Welcome, I'm Sebastian Moffert, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of en books and media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom with our host, Bob Olson, who will now introduce today's show and speaker.
1: WCAT Radio proudly presents Rivers of Living Water, a program offered by Mary Schwartz about how to grow in holiness and how to have a more intimate relationship with God. Jesus said in John chapter 7,
0: If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. Now here's our hostess, Mary Schwartz. One of the ways Jesus fulfills his promise to give us living water is through the gift of contemplative prayer. The Church says contemplative prayer is not just for the great saints, but it's a gift God wants to give to all of us. We'll be talking about the virtues we need to grow in and how to pray so that we have a more intimate relationship with God and obtain this gift of contemplative prayer, this living water, which transforms us more and more into the likeness of Christ. Our guest today is Dr. Anthony Lillis. And I'll be talking to him about the experience and the tasks of the illuminative way, the second state of the spiritual second stage of the spiritual journey. Dr Lewis is academic dean and associate professor of theology at St. John's Seminary in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. His expertise is in the spiritual doctrine of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity and the Carmelite Doctors of the Church, St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, and St. Therese of Lisieux. He is the author of Fire from Above, Hidden Mountain, Secret Garden, and he collaborated with Dan Burke on the books 30 Days with Teresa of Avila and 30 Days with Therese of Lisieux. Dr. Lillis also teaches theology for the Avila Institute, and blogs at beginningtopray.blogspot.com. Dr. Lewis, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It is so wonderful to be with you. Thank you for having me, Mary.
0: Thank you. Well, our topic today is the Illuminative Way, the the second stage in the spiritual journey. And in his book, The Soul of the Apostolate, the great Trappist abbot Jean-Baptiste Charteau Said that the degree to which the church bears fruit depends on the number of souls in the illuminative way.
1: Hmm. That's powerful.
0: I, uh, I love that quote. Interesting, isn't it? Um. And I'll also share this with you that uh, Father Benedict Groeschel says, said in one of his books that we're healed of our neuroses in the illuminative way. Hmm. So those those, two, <laughs> those always struck me as two very good reasons for trying to get that far in the spiritual life. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps not the most important. Well, the first is, but... Um, yeah, there was a,
1: a professor at the Angelicum, his name was Jordan Allman. Father Jordan Allman was a, a yes. uh, Dominican. And, uh, in one of his lectures, he said that there was never a renewal in the um, in the history of the church. Never a renewal of the of the life of the church, which was not preceded by a renewal of mental prayer. And uh, and this goes right along with, um, uh, you know, of course, if what Father Grishel has said, uh, there's healing in the illuminative way, um, and that somehow the mission of the church depends on those who have. Uh, entered into the illuminative way, uh, we could. Uh, 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 mental prayer is is the the chief means, the primary means by which which we make progress into this into this uh, more mature way of being ch- Catholic, being Christian.
0: That's right, and 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 for those of you of our audience who want to know more about mental prayer, I have several um, shows about this on. Website here, um, but yes. To, well, today we're going to sort of jump ahead a little bit to a more advanced stage in the spiritual life. And um, can you tell us, Doctor Lilis, what, what 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 do we mean by the illuminative way?
1: Well, the the origins of this language, I I believe, came out of the church's tradition of um, the rites of Christian initiation, uh, those, those, those rites kind of uh, recognized different stages along the way. And so there were people who were just beginning to ask questions. They were called inquirers. I, we, we call them that today. And then at a certain stage, and, and they mainly just listened to the gospel of Christ and uh, uh, were instructed about what that gospel meant. Then there were the catechumens, and, and these are those people who, um, who are being, uh, you can speak about, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're undergoing more formal instruction, and, uh, and, and in a certain way, they're, they're uh, being uh, purified of their old, old way of life, they're learning a new way of life. And then just before the period uh, of uh, receiving uh, the, the Easter sacraments, uh, which would be done at the Easter Vigil. There was a, a, a period of uh, special catechesis uh, uh, that that uh, was designated as illuminative, and um, and this this illuminative period of uh, of instruction uh, went more deeply into the moral uh, the moral life, and, um, uh, and and was ordered to helping uh, prepare, uh, these catechumens who had been chosen by the church, they were called elect at this stage, they're chosen by the bishop, uh, for the sacrament, it, uh, it was like immediate preparation for, uh, full initiation into the church. The mystics took the same language and, and saw that in the beginning of the spiritual life, beginners, they, they were going through something we called the purgative stage, but um, at a certain stage of the game, um, they, they uh, experienced or were raised up by Christ into a new kind of intimacy with him, a greater kind of stability that was pre- preparing them for the perfection of their love. Um, uh, but uh, uh, but this preparation time sometimes was ex- extended over a longer period. And so they, they saw an analogy between this more stable form of the Christian life, and this kind of illuminative stage of catechesis. So they called it the illuminative way. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, yes, excuse me. Yes, you well, anyway. Uh, oh, no, I, I interrupted you. No, I, I, no. The no. thought occur, occurred to me, though. It was the fathers of the church who began to make this analogy between the stages getting ready for the sacrament and maturity in Christian living and, and so you'll find a work by uh, St. John Climacus that traces out these uh, 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 various stages of, of the spiritual life and they're analogous to the stages of the catechumenate.
0: Okay, so um, we, so I typically, okay, the first stage of the spiritual life is called the purgative way yeah. And um, that has that's broken down into three smaller stages, in which, in the first stage, I, we are um, working on moral integration and eliminating mortal sin from our life, mm-hmm. and then in the second and third stage of the purgative way, we're working on, um, and the Holy Spirit is working on <laughs> uh, strengthening our faith and our hope um sure what
1: what characterizes that whole beginning stage are two two things one on the part of god and and one on our part and um and, and this if you understand this understanding what goes on in the illuminative stage makes a little bit more state sense but but on our part um uh, what what God has begun in us is um he's stirred up desires we we were spiritually asleep before we began the spiritual life. We weren't aware of a world of values. We weren't aware of the beauty and the splendor of the Lord. But now we are. We're awake to that, and we want that in our lives to a greater or lesser degree. Sometimes we backslide, sometimes we can't. But, but what characterizes that whole purgative stage in the beginning is a deep yearning for God and, and our spiritual life is all about doing things to strengthen that desire, taking away mortal sin, overcoming habitual, venial sin, uh, so that, so that uh, we can uh, respond to, uh, so that we'll be ready to respond to God when he begins to work in a new way. God, for his part, during, during that, throughout the whole purgative phase, is, um, is operating uh, in us with, with what you could call cooperating graces, These are gifts of God's life in us by which he cooperates with our efforts. He wants to see us uh, uh, assert some effort, try to order our lives the best we can. He wants to see us humble ourselves to a confessor and maybe a spiritual director or a spiritual friend. He wants to see us practice the, the good habits of prayer. And as we try to do these things, as we take initiative to do these things, his grace cooperates with our efforts cooperative graces and uh, and raises our, our nature up so that we we are ready for a, um, a deeper and uh, uh, fuller encounter of him and uh, and that deeper fuller encounter uh, that, that uh, he's preparing us for throughout the purgative way that he's making space for in our hearts uh, that uh, uh, that is what we call the illuminative way where where his light shines in our lives in a new way, where our prayer uh, uh, beholds his beauty and his splendor in a new way. And uh, it's illuminative because it it, uh, helps us see two things at once. The first thing that it uh, helps us gain a, a deeper understanding of is who we are before God. And in all our weaknesses and poverty and inadequacies and voids, Uh, The Illuminative Way uh, exposes all of that, makes us aware of all of that. At the same time, it also makes us aware of his glory, his beauty, his goodness, his virtue. It it deepens uh, our desire uh, in in the most peaceful way, establishes us in a kind of peace, says Elizabeth of the Trinity, uh, so that no matter what happens, what trials might test us, uh, we are... uh, we are unmoved and being rooted in Christ. Before, when we were beginning the spiritual life, we might have moments of fervor and then fall out and backslide. When somebody's reached the illuminative stage, it's still possible for them to fall into deep sin and and fall away from their faith, but um, their faith and their their life of prayer is so deep and so strong because God has rooted it in himself that... um, uh, that they 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 don't they they tend not to backslide. They have a deeper strength and peace before the Lord.
0: Okay, that's very interesting. So you said that um, one thing that caught my attention. You said that in the illuminative way, we also get a deeper sense of our our um, weakness and poverty. Did you say our our failings or?
1: Yes, um, in a way, uh, uh, as as you advance to the very edges of, of what we call the purgative way, you already begin to get some kind of sense of it of the, of our, of how broken we are, but there's a temptation when you begin the spiritual life to think, you know, uh, I'm a pretty good guy, kind of a fixer-upper and, you know, and, and you know, all God needs to do is a little tweaking here and there, and, and I'm good <laughs> enough for heaven, and and, and, and you know, we we tend to lose sight of uh, the horrible disease that sin is, and and how much it has uh, uh, has has wounded us uh, extremely deeply. Uh, uh, misery is the absence of a love that ought to be there but is not, and because of sin, we we have um, abysses of misery in us, and um, and and. In the purgative way, you gain a kind of a general sense of that, but sometimes you can be self-deceived in thinking that you're better than you are. As you mm-hmm. go into the illuminative way, it's almost like God lifts the veil. He, he says, look, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to be with you in a deeper and more stable way than you've ever known before because I've seen your devotion and, I've seen, uh, and your love for me has been proven. And so I want to give you the gift of my presence. But in doing that, I'm also going to let you see just how sick you are too, and uh, and so that you understand how much you need healing, how much you need my love, and both things happen as you enter into the illuminative way. And, and uh, in fact, that that new awareness of how just how broken we are is sometimes so so difficult to bear. Some of the saints call call it um, use uh, images or metaphors to describe what it is to first come. A, Become aware of how broken we are, and and, and so, for example, John the Cross will speak of a uh, a dark night, um, uh, or the dark dark night of the senses in particular, or the night of the senses, and is and he talks about the contemplation or our awareness of God at this stage as we enter into the illuminated stage. They'll talk about it in terms of a ray of darkness, but he says this ray of darkness and this difficult experience all it. it it's the same light that we're going to continue to enjoy throughout the illuminative way, but but in the beginning, for us to be open to the graces that God wants to shine on us, uh, uh, he, he needs to make room for them. And so this this new kind of prayer that uh, shines in our hearts um, uh, kind of exposes the painful wounds first so that they can be healed, and the more healed we are, the more we can bear. With uh, the more we can deal with this beautiful light that is His love.
0: So I gather you're talking now about the dark night of the senses, which a person goes through at the end of the purgative way, and at the entrance to the illuminative way.
1: That's right. Uh, we, uh, we go through this, and so and, and, and you know, and one of the one of the reasons why not a lot of people it, reach into the illuminative way, the reasons why. They don't grow into that kind of prayer, is because sometimes they, they get a sense for the purgation that that God needs to do. They've done all they can, and then they realize that God is going to do something even more, and they they don't want to face and deal with what what God wants to do in their hearts. They get afraid, and and, and so they backslide, and um, and 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 that's why grace is a courage and. The gift of good counsel is so important as you mature in a spiritual life. In order to make it into this this beautiful time of um, a more stable, peaceful intimacy with the Lord, um, I, I, you need to pass through these trials, and it's very you can't pass through these alone. You need help. You need good friends. You 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 need people encouraging you. You need good counsel, and uh, and when you uh, uh, you know, kind of make the, these things. You need, uh, you know, regular liturgical prayer, daily mass, and and, and frequent confession. Um, it, but when you make these things part of your life, you'll notice that um, uh, 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 they has, you've, you pass through this. It's it's not, you know, as you see what God wants to do as you go through the voids. The voids, instead of kind of crushing you and making you feel. Uh, uh, overwhelmed, you begin to see that uh, in the abyss of our misery, there is the deeper abyss of God's mercy, and uh, and that he needs to lead us down the abyss, slide down the slope of the abyss of our misery, says Roy's Brooke and Elizabeth of the Trinity, so that we can encounter that deeper, more powerful abyss of his mercy. Mercy is love that suffers the misery of another to affirm their dignity and to relieve their suffering. And this is exactly what God is waiting for us to do when we uh, when we practice mental prayer and when we enter into the silence that allows His love
0: to heal us. So you're saying that the healing takes place in the dark night of the senses. Yeah. Well, it begins there,
1: but it kind of extends throughout the illuminated phase. That the dark night of the senses is just the, the kind of the beginning. Of, of this uh, of this new light, it's like the very first uh, uh, crack of dawn uh, you right. might say on our souls of this new light and and just like in the natural world, just before the sunrise, it always seems the darkest, well so it 's like that in the spiritual life. when this has this new light dawns on us though, we um, uh, other things uh, begin to come to surface and we notice uh, other wonderful things God is doing in our hearts and in the world.
0: Let me just say, I, I don't want to spend too much time on the dark night of the senses here, but for those who aren't familiar with these things, um, at the end of the purgative way, it can seem like everything in your life is going wrong. <laughs> the, um, you, so the things that you care about the most, and um, at the same time, your prayer becomes very dry and very dark, and, that's what, and a lot of people give up. Um, as Dr. Lewis was saying, it's always darkest just before dawn. But actually, God is preparing you. You're getting very close to the illuminative way. And this beginning, this first part of the illuminative way called the dark night of the senses, it's also, can also be difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. Experienced as, you know, the, your prayer can seem very dry um, and dark. Uh, is that tr- true? Would you agree with that, yeah. Dr.
1: Lillard? Oh, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. Um, in, in fact, even well into the illuminative way, there, there are times where uh, Teresa of Avila says that you'll ex- encounter dryness in prayer. Uh, she uses the, the image uh, uh, of, uh, it's in the beginning of your prayer life, uh, she says it requires a lot of work and determination. It's like pumping water from a well, and and the well she's talking about, of course, is uh, uh, the the well of the affect, spiritual affectivity of our hearts, our devotion. It takes a lot of work to to build up our devotion. It's like athlete training, um, mm. and we call it ascetical. But uh, what happens in the illuminative way? Uh, there. Uh, on, on occasion, you need recourse to uh, um, more aesthetical forms of prayer. You need to flex those muscles again, but, uh, especially but, uh, during Let the me broadcast.
0: just explain to our listeners. By aesthetical forms of prayer, you mean where they we're taking, we're doing more of the work, and where, for instance, to mental prayer, where we're thinking about an event in the life of Christ or a point sure. of spiritual Catholic doctrine. Right, that's what you mean by aesthetical forms of prayer
1: yeah yeah
0: so so the the purgative way is um,
1: in, uh, is uh, characterized by aesthetical forms of prayer or prayers where god prayers that we offer where God's grace is cooperating with us it's, it's characterized by this cooperating grace in the illuminative way, what begins with the dark night kind of comes to maturity is it's not so much our aesthetical efforts we're we might, we might suffer a lot, but it's more God, instead of cooperating with our, our um, effort, God is beginning to work in a new way, and if we call this operative grace, or uh, operative mystical grace, or mystical prayer. So, in the purgative way, you had ascetical prayer. In the illuminative way, you have the beginnings of mystical
0: prayer. And, hey, Anthony, but, explain what explain what aesthetical means to someone who's not familiar with this language. Well, as as we think were, something that we do ourselves. Well, uh, it, Is that uh, what it as means? Uh, well
1: as we've been explaining it, it's not simply something that you do yourself, but it's something that you do uh, with God helping you or cooperating yes. with you. His grace cooperates with your effort. And right. so you take you, you take you make up your mind.
0: You You're choose, taking the you, lead. Would you say is that? Or is yeah, that you,
1: that's a good a good word for it. You take the lead. You take the initiative. You wouldn't have even been able to take the initiative if it wasn't for his grace operating. But, right. but you choose to op, you, cho- you choose to act on that moment of grace, and you choose to order your life in a certain way, and then his grace begins to heal and, and purify you. Um, so that's what we call ascetical activity. The, the word ascetical is the same, is very associated with exercise, and so you have spiritual exercises that you do, and, <laughs> that you initiate, and that God begins to work in. In this, in this other form of prayer, which begins with the dark night, in this other form of prayer, God is going to take the lead. In ascetical prayer, you took the lead. In this mystical prayer, the beginning of mystical prayer, God takes the lead. Teresa of Avila, she describes the beginners, it was like pumping water from a well. She describes this uh, um, this, this new experience of devotion in the illuminative way. It's like a canal system of God's love just flowing through your soul. And, and with no effort on your part, the devotion just flows. And uh, it's, a very, it's a very beautiful uh, and powerful um, uh, 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 gift of prayer. But she says, even in that, while you're in this illuminative way, sometimes, sometimes the canals are dry. And, and she says, it's not your business to worry about whether the canals have water in them or, or they're a little bit dry and prayer's a little bit harder and you have to return to vocal prayer and asceticism. Um, the, it's not your business to worry about this. It's God's garden. And so when he wants the water to flow, he'll let the water flow. Your job is to be faithful. And when you're faithful in prayer, it gives space to, for God to help uh, to help the garden of our hearts flourish. Uh, she sees our hearts as a beautiful garden. It's like, it's like the garden of paradise with, with exotic plants inside them. The plants she views them as there's flowers that, um, that are the virtues of our hearts. And so the, as devotion flows in our lives, the flowers bloom. And sometimes, though, the best thing for those flowers, God decides, is to let the soil be, be a little dried up. And so he, he shuts off the water a little bit, and, and, uh, and we go through dry spots. So the thing about being in the illuminative phase, it doesn't mean that there's never dry spells or that you're not tried uh, uh, and that there's no more challenges. Uh, you mm-hmm. still have challenges, but now you experience those ch- challenges with um, establishing a deeper kind of peace. Uh, a peace that comes from God's love operating in you in a
0: new way. Uh, now, maybe it uh, would be uh, good here to explain the, the idea of the seven mansions.
1: Okay. Um, here, uh so this the, the the canal the water metaphor that i just used uh teresa introduces that metaphor uh in her her very first work called the life or la vida and uh in in uh, it it's it, uh, there's different kinds of waters for different stages of prayer and and for the illuminative phase uh this this flowing canal system is is what's the most appropriate uh, or the way she describes how devotion flows through the soul. John of the Cross, he'll use the word divine inflow. Uh, there's a divine inflow that that this, um, that this you're you're open to. Um, and, uh, but uh, there's another, besides water, another image that John and Teresa, you find first in Teresa and later developed by John too, is the image of of fire, and she'll talk about, uh, how in the illuminated phase there is these little sparks of God's love. In a later, she'll continue to develop this idea of, um, of, of, uh, prayer as like, uh, or she'll describe it as a prayer of quiet, the sparks of divine love, she'll develop this in the way of perfection, and then she'll develop it again in what is, all her works are kind of spiritual nach- masterpieces. But if there was the apex or the masterpieces, piece of all masterpieces, it, it's the, uh, the interior castle. And, and uh, what happened, uh, it, it's a way of understanding this, this image of fire that she's introduced in her earlier works. But now she's, she has a vision, before she writes the book, she has a vision of a beautiful crystal castle. And she understands that this beautiful crystal castle that she sees is the soul, and in the very center of this exquisite crystal castle is a uh, uh, is the fire of God's love, the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in us, His life in us. And when that that fire of the Holy Trinity is animating the very heart of our soul, the center of our soul, the whole castle is illuminated, and it's like a star that shines in the whole world. It's it's brilliant and one of the most uh, beautiful things she said that she's ever seen. Um, and and um, she also noticed, though, that uh, the castle, as she beheld it, had different chambers to it. Some chambers that were closer to the light, and some chambers that were further away from the light. And she realized uh, uh, when she wrote Interior Castle that a soul makes progress the more interior. It, uh, the more interiorly it travels to get closer and closer to that, that light in the center. The more we avail ourselves to the warmth and the brightness of, uh, of the Lord's presence within us, the, uh, the more our whole existence is transformed, the more beautiful we become. Um, likewise, souls that depart from the castle, that ignore the fire... She, she also saw the tragedy of that light going out altogether and the, the beautiful crystal castles becoming ugly. And, um, and and for her, that was a vision of hell. Souls in hell have had that light robbed from them. Um, uh, in the illuminative way, uh, as she develops her, her metaphor the castle and the light, in the illuminative way, she she progresses closer and closer to the center uh, where that fire is, and she, gets, uh, she talks about dwelling places or chambers, and there's the first la- level uh, layer of, uh, of chambers, the second layer level, the third level of chambers, and these three uh, uh, most peripheral levels of prayer, where we're living more on the periphery of our being, she calls that, that's the beginning of the spiritual life. The illuminative stage begins in the fourth mansion, or the fourth dwelling places, and uh, and you're that much closer to the light. You're not living on the periphery of your existence so far. You're not living living, uh, driven by your senses and your impressions so much as you're living now more stably according to the, the light and the love that is emanating from God's presence within you.
0: Okay, so I think she well she saw that there were set right, as you said in effect, there were seven dwelling places or mansions as it's often or apartments you could translate it that <laughs> within the castle and and the illuminative way is the fourth and the fifth um uh mansion or apartment as it were so um so when a soul comes through, the, uh, enters into the illuminative way, it's go, it's going through, it goes through the dark night of the senses, uh, and so and God is feeding a person in a new way, and so they experience their prayer actually is very powerful and doing them a lot of good, but it seems to them that their prayer is a very um, dry and empty and dark. It can seem that way.
1: Especially at the beginning of of this stage, it seems seems that way. And the reason why is it's very practical. Up until now in your spiritual life, uh, you've gotten pretty good at spiritual exercises. You've been able to use your imagination to, to stir up devotion in your heart. You've been able to think beautiful theological ideas that have stirred up devotion in your heart. And, uh, and so prayer using meditation has taken you a long way. But, but now what's begun to seize you, John of the Cross describes this, is a desire for a deeper kind of silence. And, uh, and all, the, all the beautiful things that, that uh, you've experienced up until now through, through uh, your own efforts at, a med- at meditation or your own uh, aesthetical efforts, all those beautiful things right now—they're still beautiful, but you know they're not enough for you. You know that you need more. Your heart begins to ache for him, and and the reason why that is happening is because God is disclosing Himself to you in a way that you're not familiar with. And as He discloses, discloses Himself to you, um, there's the fruit of this is that your heart heart begins to ache for Him in a way. That you've never ached for him before. The greater that desire grows, the, the deeper in union with him you become. And so that 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 uh, yearning for him uh, uh, must becomes uh, must we must do everything we can to protect it and help it be strong. So most of John the Cross's counsels around this time uh, of your spiritual life are uh, in the illuminative way um, are are. All about uh, uh, kind of conserving your strength and your attention to the beautiful thing that that God is doing, and not la- allowing yourself to be dissipated or distracted by peripheral things. Uh, uh, as you do that, you enter deeper and deeper into the peace of the illuminative way. You come out of the the, the darkness that you first experienced, and into a new unfamiliar but beautiful light.
0: And now you begin to, I mean, you've, you're already beginning to experience contemplation in the darkness, but now you begin to feel God's presence. Yes. Uh, yeah, Teresa of Avila,
1: as I've mentioned before, she, she, she views this very beginning, noticing his presence, it's like a spark. And she says, the, the good that is done by a single spark outweighs all the goods that you achieve by your own efforts in a purgative way, all of them combined. And <laughs> just one one spark of his love uh, helps you grow in Yeah. Yeah, it helps you grow in virtue and establishes you more beautifully in peace. It's a very important it's a very important gift. And that's just a spark. That's, and that's just the beginning of this new kind of prayer. Uh, it goes on from there.
0: So maybe you could tell do you, do you want to tell us a tiny a, a tiny bit about the uh, prayer of recollection and the prayer of quiet or or should we just go straight to the prayer of quiet Sure well uh, yeah let's, uh, for for
1: me that the um, for souls who want to go uh, who want to grow in their intimacy of Christ, with Christ understanding the prayer of recollection is important because it, okay. it it's preparatory to um, entering into the, uh, uh, into, uh, it's preparatory, it prepares you for the graces of, uh, of, of, mystical contemplation that are appropriate to the illuminated way. And, um, and, and, um, and so, have you ever noticed when you practice your, your spiritual exercises, meditation and so forth, there are moments where you're so, what you see is so beautiful you've been so moved that your heart just wants to rest in a silence, and you're completely aware of God's presence, um, that kind of experience is called recollection. Uh, you, you're, you feel, you feel uh, kind of silent and in awe before the beauty and grandeur and uh, wonder of the Lord. You're, you're humbled by how wonderfully generous he has been to you. And and so, uh, your your intellect, your imagination, everything is aware of his presence. And um, in the beginning of the spiritual life, sometimes it takes a lot of exercises before you'll have a moment like that. You read the scriptures for a long time before there's a moment like that. Uh, but as you mature, this becomes more and more frequent. It becomes easier and easier. And so, you can become habitually recollected in God's presence. You can habitually kind of rest your faculties in the awareness that he is there, not only when you pray, but even throughout the day. Elizabeth of the Trinity talks about this prayer of recollection to her sister, who's a married mom with young girls, and she's counseling her sister to seek this kind of prayer out to make it kind of the habit of your heart because of what God can do in it. And and I, I love that Elizabeth of the Trinity told her, Married sister, because if a young mom with children can do this i think uh, I, I think uh, the rest of us can too this This recollection is beautiful and as wonderful as it is though there are certain certain um, oh, dispositions uh, weaknesses uh, 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 involuntary things we do that uh, are holding us back from uh, a deeper communion with God, holding us back from a more peaceful relationship with him. So even though recollection is good, there's a deeper peace that we can have and that God wants to give us. And um, and in order to give us uh, that peace, he needs to manifest himself to us in a new way. And so that's why a soul that is recollected, that practices this recollection, whether or not it feels like it, whether or not it's getting anything out of it, uh, and, uh, it just keeps on going back to this awareness by faith of God's presence. This kind of adoration of the Lord. I want
0: to point out, you say awareness by faith, not by by feeling. So. Yeah, yeah, no. This, you're right. We're dealing, when we when we talk about an awareness
1: by faith. This is what you, what you just said is very important. This um, awareness by faith is something that is deeper than what we feel or what we think or even what we intuit. It, uh, the movement of faith happens in a, uh, uh, a, a deeper part of our, uh, of our psyche, uh, if you will. Uh, a part, there are parts of our psyche that psychology doesn't yet understand. And the movement of faith emerges from that. It's a decision of the will that purifies our intelligence. And um, it's a decision to the, of the will to believe even uh, it, when it seems there's no reason to believe, the will out of love for God believes, and that that's what this prayer is. And when you exercise this prayer in this way, it makes space for God to manifest Himself in a new way. And and here, so that's called the prayer of recollection, or acquired recollection. Some people call it acquired contemplation. But that uh, uh, this kind of Awareness of collecting of your powers, recollection, uh, before the presence of God by faith is something that we can take the initiative and and make part of our lives, uh, develop ha- a prayerful habit in our lives towards this kind of prayer. Um, and you're just uh, by,
0: what exactly are, do you do in the prayer of recollection? You're not meditating, are you? No. Um, you're putting um, yourself in God's presence yeah, you usually in presence primarily, yeah, right? Yes,
1: yeah, usually you begin with meditation, you know. And Teresa of Avila, she says to bring a good spiritual book with you. Or mm-hmm. and now, now we have available to us in a way she didn't—the sacred scriptures. So I'd read the Bible or have a good spiritual book, and and then when you find yourself uh, um, all of a sudden able to be silent before the presence of the Lord, let yourself be silent, and so you'll notice. Over, over a period of months, that, that period of silence will, will stretch out more and more that, that will require a little less reading and you're able to go there. Uh, sometimes you do need to read a little bit more, uh, and, it, but it's something that you can do. The, the point is, when you're in this recollected space before the Lord and aware of him, this is what gives him the opportunity then to uh, manifest himself, in the beginning, manifest himself The truth of Avila says, has a single spark. And the thing about a spark is, it's not very bright, it doesn't last very long, and it doesn't put out a lot of heat. So you certainly notice it. And and in the beginning contemplative prayer, uh, God's presence, this new way of manifesting himself to you, is is, uh, very much like that spark. John of the Cross, the way he describes it is, he says it's like a fire is getting lit. And when you first light a fire, uh, the fire gives off a lot of kind of smoke. You can't really see what's going on very much because the the wood needs to kind of get dried out and, and the kindling got needs to warm up that log before it will, will start burning. Well, in the begin the um, contemplative prayer, this mystical content, contemplative prayer, it's like a new kind of fire in your heart. It's a new presence of the Holy Spirit who's is the fire of God's love, uh, and and that fire is going to grow, but in the beginning you notice a lot of smoke, maybe you see a spark, and and uh, and just one spark of that is doing a, a much more for your soul than everything you've everything done before, but now you're learning a new kind of humility where you're more fully surrendered to God's presence. You're not quite in control of your prayer the way you were before, because this fire is going to be unleashed in you in God's time and in God's way. And so there's a kind of confidence in God that becomes very important. There's a kind of trust in Him and humility before what He's accomplishing. And, and in that kind of a letting go of, of control, um, uh, and, and let, and sanctioning, uh, 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 uh Seeing the beauty of appreciating what God is doing, accepting what God is doing for what it is, rather than trying to control it yourself.
0: Okay, so I, um, and then after that, you know, the experience of God's presence grows, um, and we feel God, I mean at first it's very faint, we might not even realize that it's, that it's happening, and then, and then our his, you know, we feel his, his presence becomes more and more apparent, um, isn't it? We feel him more and more. Um, yeah, as as we progress in t- in the illuminative way.
1: That that's right. Uh, uh, you, you know, it can sometimes he can withhold his presence again, even while you're in the illuminative way. But on the whole, it is what you just described. It it's like. The, uh, the, 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 the dawning of a sun and it begins to emerge uh, um, on the horizon of your soul and it's going to illuminate uh, everything as it gets brighter and brighter and, uh, and it's a beautiful uh, and, and, and this sunlight is beautiful it's good for the soul um, John the Cross uh, again in his poem Living Fl- Flame of Love uh, I, for him it, it's the, uh, it, the fire becomes stronger. In the, uh, in the beginning, it was all smoky and you didn't get to see very much fire and you didn't get to see a lot of heat. But as the illuminative way unfolds, the fire gets stronger and, uh, and the love of God begins to take over more and more. And that's why in Living Flame of Love, he, he strongly encourages spiritual directors not to force souls that have begun this deeper kind of prayer, not to force them to um, to undergo spiritual, uh, to take up the medications they did before. Um, a soul in this, in this state, uh, as God is beginning to disclose himself in a new way, as that sun is beginning to rise, uh, a soul will typically feel like it's not doing anything, even that it's kind of wasting its time. And that's because it's been so used to being in control and, um, and it's having to learn to wait for God now. And, and so it's impatient, uh, not only with God, but with itself. God's trying to teach us, teach it, this new kind of patience that it needs to be able to be in his presence. Uh, uh, the patience to be able to receive and respond to his will as he discloses it. It's a very, very hard lesson for, for, for um, a soul in the illuminative way to learn, but God, Uh, if he's demanding patience of us, he's very patient in the way he teaches us. And he he just uh, pulls us along a little bit more and then gives us another little spark. And and maybe the spark this time lasts a little bit longer so that we know it's good to keep on persevering in this silence with him and what he's doing. And then pretty soon it moves from being um, a a spark that kind of lasts a, a long time to being like a, a small little tongue of fire, like a, a of a candle, like you might think of um, the tongue of fire that you see in the candle in front of the um, in front of the tabernacle or church. It, it flickers sometimes, but it's constant and it's always there, and it tells you that the presence of God abides there. Well, the presence of God now has begun to abide more habitually in in the soul because the soul has uh, uh, allowed God. to to take away the obstacles that were were holding back the gift of his presence before. I, uh, John of the Cross calls it an engagement. Like if before, in the purgative way, You were it was like you, you were uh, in uh, a courtship, more like dating, now God has, in, in a way, promised himself to the soul, and the soul has promised itself to God, it's like they're engaged, and so there's a greater peacefulness that happens in this prayer, but it takes Growth in patience, growth in trust, growth in humility um, with what this new work about God, with God is achieving.
0: Uh, you know, St. Teresa also described the prayer that develops after the prayer of recollection. It's called the prayer of quiet. Um, she says it's like a heavenly water that flows from deep within us. And, and we receive, she says, the greatest peace, quietness, and sweetness within ourselves. And it causes what she calls an interior dilation, that it enlarges our heart. But I want to, ask yeah. to take advantage of your expertise, Dr. Lillis, because we're getting towards the end of the hour, and I have some questions for, I want to ask you, um, when, a, so the illuminative way, you know, the, the, the description of the prayer is very, obviously very, um, appealing, and, um, you know the prayer, and Father Grochow has said that the experience of the first part of the illuminative way, the fourth mansion, can be described as over. Over the overall experience is one of joy, and in the second stage of the illuminative way, the fifth mansion, the overall experience is one of peace. But I want to ask you something. Um, I well, Dan Burke said in in, um, in navigating what is it, the spiritual life? I, think, that mm-hmm. I have some notes uh, from a retreat that I went on and with him, and he says that there are very... people can go through terrible trials in the illuminative way. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that. Well, what kinds of trials? Is he talking about spiritual trials, darkness and prayer, or other things?
1: I, well... Uh, those things and, and other things as well. Uh, there, there are there are uh, great difficulties uh, that a soul in the illuminative way will will encounter. Those um, those great difficulties or challenges or trials can sometimes be interior things that happen, and sometimes they can be exterior things that happen, like events in our lives,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: sometimes they're both. Uh, uh, oftentimes they, they come both together. Why does God send them? And the reason why God sends these things is because although the uh, a soul in the illuminative way has been uh, um, healed of so very many things and God is very pleased with its love, it's still a very imperfect love. It's peaceful, it has a kind of joy, but God longs for this soul to enter into a greater fullness of joy uh, uh, that is known in the, uh, the perfection of charity or uh, the prayer of union, and which, which is um, an even more beautiful kind of prayer. But to lead that soul there, uh, that soul would need to pass through terrible, terrible trials because, like I said at the beginning of our conversation, you know, sin has, uh, has hurt our souls in deep ways and it takes a lot to to heal our souls. But but even as our souls are healed, in order to be transformed uh, into uh, the perfect image and likeness of God, in order to um, uh, reach the perfection of Christian holiness, to be holy and um, merciful like our Heavenly Father is holy and merciful, in order to do that, there's a, a profound transformation of our of our human existence that needs to occur and um, uh, and what we went through in the illuminative way uh, to get into the illuminative way in many ways was is preparatory for the completion of God's work in us that, that he wants to realize but to 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 attain that completion to to achieve that uh, uh, completion in us uh, he accomplishes it through um, uh, leading the, the soul through difficult trials uh, during,
0: during um, the illuminative way. I mean, I'm not talking yeah. about the dark night of the soul, but well, it, during well I'm asking, all, or is it during yeah, the illumin? Well, yeah.
1: Well, the, the dark night of the soul, the soul, the, the second dark night, is is uh, a an experience that throughout the illuminative way, God is preparing you to enter into through these trials. You're getting
0: a taste of it. So yeah, you're, you're getting it.
1: You're getting, you, you you get a little taste of it, uh, sometimes you visit it for a little bit, and, and God knows that when you're not ready, he's not going to give you more than you can deal with, but, but sometimes he puts you there just for a little bit to let you know that he's not finished with you yet, mm-hmm. and that there's a lot more to get done. And um, and what begins to happen to souls who, who kind of, uh, while they're in the illuminative way, teach, uh, begin to experience these more difficult trials they begin to actually long for these trials. For this reason, they realize that in the midst of these trials, God is bringing to perfection the work that He's begun in them. So, where before so is there
0: something about in them that still has to be healed, or still has they still faults or attachments that they have to let go of? Is that part of so this? it? Well,
1: not, not, uh, not in the, in the same way as before. I wouldn't speak of attachments. But I, I would say, well, for example, let me give you an example. Mary, Mary the virgin mother of God, uh, was sinless, never wounded by sin. And yet John Paul II, in his encyclical Mother of the Redeemer, describes her journey of faith as she accompanies Jesus through his earthly ministry to the cross. And he talks about a profound Purification of her, her humanity that that occurs as she approaches the mystery of the cross. He talks about it in terms of a mysterious rejection uh, that that seems seems to be indicated in Jesus's language to her. He, Jesus doesn't call her mother, and 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 when she goes to see him, he doesn't go out to see her right away. Uh, he, he calls her woman, and he, he uh, and he he refer he relates to her in rather mysterious ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, even at the foot of the cross, Jesus looks at the disciple whom he loves, and he says, Behold your mother, and mother, behold your son. In other words, he gives his mother away at the foot of the cross. Very peculiar things. Something like that begins to happen to illuminative souls, just like the Virgin Mary. They begin to go through, as they journey in this illuminative way. It's like, Accompanying Jesus and Jesus His earthly ministry, and they experience, like Mary did, this seeming kind of rejection, which isn't a rejection but actually profound affirmation. You
0: and said what they experience happens, what kind of rejection?
1: Um, a, a mysterious kind of rejection. It's paradoxical. From God. It's, hmm. it's, it seems it's. They feel it feels like. Uh, emotionally right. like you're being rejected by God but what's really happening is God is manifesting himself in a new way he's actually inviting them into a deeper communion with him just like Jesus was inviting Mary into a deeper communion with his salvific work
0: can that start happening in the fifth in the fourth mansion
1: uh, uh it starts happening in the fourth mansion, uh, uh, but even a little bit more as you get into the, uh, what Teresa of Evelyn calls the, the fifth mansion. Here, this is where the fire of God's love is kind of like a candlelight in your heart. So, so you become accustomed to his new presence. And together with this awareness of his abiding presence in you, this deeper kind of love, together with that, you are also uh, you, you are also able to bear these trials in a way that you couldn't bear them before. So, um,
0: Doctor Lewis, let me ask you this, though. I mean, how do you know if, if a person is in the illuminative way? Well, I, I mentioned to you that I, I haven't read about this, but I heard from Father Murray that a soul doesn't go through the seven stages of the mansion necessarily in a linear way that people go, you know, can have to go back sometimes to another mansion or go jump ahead, but, I mean, if somebody is experiencing a lot of suffering in the fourth mansion, would you, how do they know that, is it is it this purification that you're talking about or have they gone back because they didn't do something that they needed to do? Well in a way that
1: that's a very mysterious thing father murray is is right he's a brilliant theologian and uh, and in fact, I'm pretty certain that his source uh the way his understanding of um, the, uh, the 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 stages of, of the spiritual life has been very influenced by another good theologian on John the cross named Ian Matthews, father Ian Matthews, an Englishman mm-hmm. um, uh, Father Murray himself is an Irishman, teaches at the Angelicum. And so what you're seeing is, is, is true, and that's why it's really good, important to have a spiritual guide. Um, there are, to use uh, uh, Teresa of Avila's metaphor of the spiritual mansions, there are mansions that, uh, or, or um, dwelling places, or you called them apartments. There are apartments, uh, as we go within ourselves, there are apartments where our heart rests, Apart- deeper apartments where we want to go, and, uh, and apartments where we've, we've been. And sometimes we visit apartments where we've been uh, for whatever reason. We, we go back there um, uh, because this is where God wants us to be. And other times, uh, 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 other times we visit apartments where we want to go, but, uh, but where, we're, where we're not really comfortable living, um, you know, uh, uh, resting in our prayer. Uh, and the thing if we go to um if we need to go back to uh uh you know the 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 apartments or the dwelling places that are more on the periphery of our existence um, uh, w- you know w- where we first began our vocal prayers, if that's what we need to do, we need to do it. But it's yeah. a curious thing. We know while, we're, while we are gotcha, there, We're about, we're about
0: out of time, I'm afraid. Oh. We're, we're at the very end of our show. Oh Do you want to just quickly finish that thought? Oh, it, It's just
1: that we're visitors, and then there's, then there's where our heart rests. And, and if um, the normal movement will be to rest deeper and deeper uh, in the presence of God. And He's with us, and He's with us through it all.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us, um, and I, we're so lucky to be able to um, have the um, opportunity to hear your ex, you know, expert knowledge about these matters. So you've been listening to Rivers of Living Water with Mary Schwartz, the show to, about how to grow in holiness. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us today. God bless. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mahfoud. Good day.